This is going on my resume. Hey, Zach. Hey, Sirtis. So this is going to be a weird, one of the weird Worrying Bugs episodes where I went too deep into researching a thing uh, and now it's just going to be most of the podcast because I don't have anything <laughs> else to talk about because it's all I've been thinking about for the last week. So this go around, I'm talking about the IndieWeb, which is a group of people and also a group of specifications and also a philosophy. <laughs> okay. Where are we starting? <laughs> um, in 1980-something, when they invented the internet. All right. We're going way far back. Yeah. So, so a brief overview of why, why this... They made the internet and people were like, wow, this is cool. And they sent people emails and wrote on forums. And then people decided that blogging was a good idea because they had thoughts in their head and they wanted those thoughts to be inside other people's heads. So they started blogging. Right. It was not, I, I don't know. I don't know how much of original blogging was about like making the world a better place and how much of it was just like, I got some ideas. My guess is 60-40. 40 was which one? I won't tell. Ah, man, a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I threw myself off by saying that. Um, okay. So then, then there were blogs. And then all of these people who made the blogs, who were like nerds who were online and could afford an internet connection and thought that their ideas were important, <laughs> wrote their blogs, and the web was the place you could go online to read Lifehacker and look at funny pictures, and MySpace was there, I guess. I don't know. I don't really remember this era of the web. And then the Facebook started existing, and Twitter started existing, and more people could get onto the web because you didn't have to understand how to host your own server. You could just join Facebook or just join Twitter. And for a while, that was just the nerds or just the college students or whatever. But eventually, all the people who didn't want to deal with writing their own blogs could just jump on Twitter and say, like, here's my joke about a dog and then get a thousand likes. Or they could go on Instagram and say, egg, and get so many, I don't know, I, that's a, that's a meme right now. Egg. Egg egg yeah there's just it's just a picture of an egg that got the most likes in instagram history because they wanted it to oh all right i can get behind that it's an anti-elitism push it's like a power to the people because they're trying to dethrone or they have dethroned uh kylie jenner oh and so it was like a screw kylie jenner we're gonna make this egg famous i like that and it is a famous egg indeed so as I was saying, uh, it made the web a lot more accessible. And while this was happening, all the people who had their blogs and were capable of setting up servers and things but weren't working at Facebook were trying to make their blogs still work um, and make other people care about their blogs because they wanted them to not go on Facebook. And so they, they added things like 
replying to your blog because they were like, man, that was a cool idea. Twitter, good idea. <laughs> but then it instantly became just a, a whole bunch of spam because that's a hard problem to solve. Right. And uh, they did things like RSS and then they did things like Adam and then they fought for a couple years about which one of those you should use for a reason, I guess. I'm not entirely sure. And then Twitter and Facebook kept getting larger and they would like Google just bought, I don't know what, yeah, no, it was Yahoo bought a whole bunch of like GeoCities and AOL online type things where you could make your own website without having to host a server and all of that. And they shut them down and they said, Hey, you can use Google sites though, or whatever, Mm -hmm. if you want to do that. And then Google sites was gross. Yeah. Which is not to say the other websites weren't, but... Now everyone can be gross. Yeah. And then at some point in 2013, these people who had been in the group trying to make the blogs work and fight against um, Facebook and Twitter and all of that, they call them silos because all of the content just goes in this one silo. And you'd need to go to that one silo to get all of the content. They never explain that. They just use the word silos a lot. And you've got to decipher for yourself what the analogy is. Right. And what do they do, Zach? What are they, these, what are these band of, what, what, what are they even calling themselves? All right. So these people um, had been part of this group. It was the Federated Web at that point, And that was just all the blogs wanted their blogs to talk to each other. And they were like, the way to do it is Federation. Um, and we, we can make people care about it by making these really ugly interfaces and, and saying the word federation a lot, um, and emailing each other. And that didn't work because they spent more time emailing each other and making bad interfaces and less time making the interfaces look good Mm -hmm. because they didn't really care about what it felt like to use the thing. They just wanted it to, to be used. Right. And so then a splinter group within the Federated Web people uh, formed and called themselves... What's that? It sounds like a Star Wars plot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And then the Federated Web chased after them in (laughs) in the big ship, but the Indie Web had the small ship, but the small ship was running out of fuel. Um, So they they made a whole bunch of protocols. And so these Indie Web people... It were basically the federated web people. They did a lot of the same things, but um, some of the things that they did differently were they organized themselves on IRC as opposed to email. And part of that is just if you want to find something out, it's a lot easier to look through IRC. It's just like a like chat messaging, like a group text basically mm-hmm. online. And so you can go back through all of the IndieWeb IRC logs, whereas... If you wanted to like understand what was going on in the federated stuff with all of their email lists, it was very hard to follow because a lot of it was just like a whole bunch of information to, from, yada, yada, yada. And then somebody just saying, lol, funny joke. Email is bad. And then the other thing they did is they promised to do self-dog fooding, which is, it comes from the phrase, eat your own dog food, which is, uh coder thing where you don't want to make a tool and then not use that tool right okay yeah so if you make a thing you should also be the one using it it's kind of like one of the complaints that i know about apple is that they don't dog food their own apis they have like back 
back access secret APIs mm-hmm. to to use to make certain apps, and you can't access those as a developer, but they don't know what it's like to be a developer because they don't dog food. Right. Okay. And so the the ethos is then that this self dog fooding makes the indie web specs better because they're used by the people who are coming up with them and it's not some folks in a in a high tower saying i think that this atom rss spec is great and then not actually like using it to write a blog just kind of using it to write a php plugin to attach to somebody else's blog and that's uh that's how we got to like 2014 which is when all of the videos about indie web are from okay these protocols that they made yes what kind of thing are they doing um so there used to be i think i said there was like a gross protocol for a blog to reply to another blog and it just instantly became a whole bunch of spam and it was just hard to read and effectively unusable one of the protocols that they made was a better one of those called web mention and that was smaller it is easier to use on your website it has a better chance of looking good and it's less prone to spam if you do it right should we get into how it works or shouldn't that be a later topic that can be a later topic okay but yeah so they made those different protocols like that just ways that people could build their blogs to use these things and to interact with other blogs in the same little family okay and what if you're outside this family you can still look at their blogs but you can't really like reply to them or like them which isn't different from looking at most blogs Mm -hmm. because again that's a hard problem to solve as as someone not in the family, can I see someone else's reply to someone else's blog? Yep, you can. Okay. And how is it different from my comment? It's verified. Okay. Like, you can just go on a blog, like on Blogger or whatever, and just type whatever. Hey, come check out my free iPhone 4 website. <laughs> but for this, the the reply is... You tell them that you wrote a reply to their blog post on your blog, and then they go check that you wrote a reply where you said you wrote a reply, and then they pull the information from your reply and put it onto their, like, little reply section at the bottom of their blog. They can choose how they display it. I assume that's all automated? Yes, it's not not a, a person doing all of that by hand. Okay. And what if I don't like the reply? You can still filter them like normal. Okay. It's so yeah, one of the big ideas now, one of the reasons that now that we've gotten through this however many years of indie web history and you're just like, well, okay, whatever, but I want to do it now and I only care about what it's good for right now. One of those things is that you can manage exactly what's on there. You can say, I don't like this comment or you can just delete all of your old posts and there won't be a record of them probably on some server, but there might still be because anything you put online is always online. Mm -hmm. That's actually most of the history that I have. It's, can you summarize it in like two sentences? Okay. 
So IndieWeb is a group of bloggers who wanted their blogs to talk to each other. And then they made a protocol so that the blogs could talk to each other. Yes. They wanted their blogs to be able to talk to each other because they didn't want to have to deal with the silos in big, doomy voice. Right. The, the Facebook and the Reddit and the Twitter. and Yeah, let's talk about the philosophy a little bit. Okay. Why do, why do the indie web people, or why did they think, I don't know if this is still the thought, but why do they think that their system is uh, better or uh, in any way, like, why is it, what I, why should I go make a blog and join up with IndieWeb over making a Twitter account? Okay. Um, they've got a whole, like, web page online of why you might want to, but some of them that stick out to me just because they're pain points I've come up against with the silos is that a there's no or you can choose to not deal with ad tech okay if you have your own site and you aren't going to facebook to see what all of your friends are up to if so yeah it's if you have your own site and also all of your friends have their own sites and they post all of their stuff there so there's a network effect just like any anything social you don't just like lose your data sometimes like if Twitter decided to shut down tomorrow, a lot of people just wouldn't have the history of whatever they've done on Twitter. If, if they've had conversations that they enjoyed with people or whatever it is, all of that information could just disappear tomorrow if Twitter decided to shut down. Okay. And if you have your own blog, you are posting all of that, so you decide when it shuts down. It's easier to like cross-post... You can post one thing to your blog and then post a bunch of things. You can say, oh, on Twitter, here's the title of this thing that I wrote, and then here's the link to check it out on my blog. Or on Facebook, you can give the first three paragraphs and then say, check it out on my blog, or right, whatever it is. So it's called Posse, publish on own site, syndicate somewhere else. Okay, but if we're being realistic, Twitter is not going mm-hmm. to shut down tomorrow. And if they did shut down tomorrow, they would say, here's a tool to get your stuff. Right, but there have been sites that shut down and there is a tool to get your stuff, but it's a hassle. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a hassle to set up your own website. Yeah, that's that's one of the, the complaints that I have. We can get to some of my complaints later, but... A lot of the things that are here on their why do it are mostly for the like the original people who made it who like know how to manage the CSS of their own site and they say, Oh, you can make it look so much better than Twitter or whatever. Which is not the case for a vast majority of people. Yeah. Having a blog can get you through the tough times, the lonely times, and the confusing times. <laughs> They're trying to convince People who used to post not safe for work things on Tumblr, um, that now that female nipples are illegal, they should come over to the indie website. That's a good idea. Part of it is just that, like, when you sign up for Facebook, you sign up to authorize them to look at what you're doing and, like, just collect your data. And these kind of people don't like that. Okay, so you're moving from Facebook where Facebook can collect your data to a 
blog where literally anyone can collect your data. Yes. Okay. Just making sure we're on the same page. <laughs> it's not um, the same data. Like I, I understand like Facebook yeah. has a lot more like reach as far as like like they can tell how long you look at a certain post. Like they wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. do that on a blog. Which, I mean, that's the kind of thing that people think is creepy, not the, like, oh, I got a new puppy, and then they give you ads for dog food. Yeah. Also, sometimes when you sign up, they have an example here that when you sign up for DeviantArt, you are implicitly saying, sure, go ahead and use my artwork for promotion of your website, Hmm. which is kind of sketch. That is very sketch. Yeah. And now now I'm at the end of the Y page. So... They've got a this this concept in the indie web called generations. And the basic idea is like there's that first group of people who built the original spec. And probably like you and I, if we were to get into the indie web community, would probably be closer to that group number one. But then two is like journalists and bloggers, and they're people who are who have reason to want to have all of their big important data on their own sites and make it work and have replies working well and Mm -hmm. things like that. And then group number three is people who can just like log on to WordPress and maybe are comfortable setting up a WordPress theme and can write their posts on there, but they don't really want to have to configure how WordPress handles when you send it a web mention or whatever. Mm -hmm. They just want to be able to say, WordPress, you do your thing. I'm just going to write. And then number four is people who don't even want to look at cPanel ever. So would that be like a service? I don't know how that would work. Basically, it'd be a domain service. And it'd be like almost like Squarespace. But if Squarespace had web mentions and everything built in. Might have to be easier than that. Because even with Squarespace, you have to like, while, while everyone can do squarespace the people who want to do squarespace is extremely limited mm-hmm. because why why put text on a web page when i can put text on a slightly prettier web page with all my friends on it and so the one of the things that they talk about is that each generation like generation one the people who are developing the tools don't understand what generation four is even looking for yeah you're right And so before you can get to the four, they need the two and the three to kind of be liaisons and say, hey, it would be really cool if I could just click a button and have indie auth working or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then once, once they've expressed what would be good, it's easier for four to jump on. Okay. Can you give us a outline of how a system like this works? system like what like if you put something on your blog and i want to reply to it Mm -hmm. how does that work how does what what are the minimum requirements for your blog and my blog so if you let's say you posted something on your blog and i wanted to reply to it right so this is the equivalent of a Twitter at mention or reply thing? Uh, At mentions and replies would be different things, I think. 
okay there's the the type of twitter reply where there there used to be an at whatever until they changed it and you know, now you don't have to do that anymore in the days of yore okay so actually it is at the same time a quote tweet and a reply okay isn't usually a quote tweet kind of a reply like you get notified of that kind of thing right yes but other people don't see it in so if i tweeted something out and you quote tweeted my tweet other people who follow me and looked at my tweet wouldn't see that you had quote tweeted my tweet whereas if you replied to my tweet they would see what you had replied yes okay yeah yeah, yeah. so it's a quote tweet and a reply i understand if we're talking in twitter terms yeah and so that's a, a, a comment or a reply whatever you want to call it so your blog would need to be able to accept what are called web mentions. Okay. And my blog, I might, I, I don't know everything about this spec exactly, but my blog would just need to have a feed that I could post to. So like a blog. Okay. And so bare minimum, what I could do is I could get your blog post Get it how? I'm pretty sure just copy the URL. Okay. Go to my blog and say, this is a reply to this one by Certus. Mm-hmm. Type in whatever I think and then publish that to my blog. So on my blog, it would look something like a little snippet of your thing, a link to your thing, and then my own thoughts on it. So that's the quote tweet part. Okay. And then I would get the URL of my post that I just posted and somehow send that to your server's web mention endpoint. Okay. And then you would receive that web mention and could choose to display my comment as a reply to your blog post. Okay. And I think that's that would be like a really fiddly way to do it there are tools to just i could click on a thing on your blog and basically sign in to my website from your blog and then post my comment and that would get sent to my blog my blog would post my comment and then your blog would post my comment as a web mention but that requires like five or six more protocols (laughs) yes okay so Let's say that I am not so interested in the interworkings of it. Mm-hmm. What do I have to do? Okay, I have my website up. It's certistone.com. Yeah. And there's a blog. What What is the thing I would have to do? And how much of a pain is this going to be for me to implement a web mention? I don't know, because I haven't yet implemented web, pay- web mentions on my site. If you're just using Known, which is like, a, like WordPress, it's just a site you can go to and tell them to make your site. And it's basically like indie web from the ground up. Um, so if you're using that, it would be really easy. But I know that you are not using that. So we're going to look at web mention. Hmm, it's not even in the getting started page. <laughs> okay. This plugin that I found sends and receives 
web web mentions from webmention.io. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's for receiving web mentions. I guess the downside of this would be that I have to use someone else's third-party service, which is something I am trying to avoid by not using Twitter. But the good thing is, so in the section that they talk about WebMention.io, they also talk about LazyMention, MentionText, Stapibas, Telegraph, WebMention, Heroku, and Pushel, which are all, I think, do similar things. And then also it's an open spec, so if you... If you so chose and WebMention.io died, you could just write your own WebMention handler. Okay. I see. So it's it's easier to use the third-party things, but you also are free to use your own handwritten code if you wanted. Okay. We never said really what WebMentions are, did we? They're, they're quote, tweet, and replies. It's kind of a, yeah, it's the protocol for making those work. Right. What's something I can, like, point at and say, hey, look, this is a good idea. This is a thing that's working and it is useful. Basically, everything right now is still in progress. Most things are still just proposed recommendations for the w3c the the World Wide web consortium the people who decide how websites should work but one that i've actually used and that everything else or a lot of other things kind of build upon is indiauth and that's also relatively easy to do relatively easy to add to your own website mm-hmm. and so the idea behind that is you're linking to your different things from your own website. So like on my website, I've got my Twitter link and my GitHub link and my YouTube and whatever other URLs, or you might have your PHP signature. PGB. Yes, correct. Also, it's not a signature. It's a public key. Mm -hmm. So you could have any number of ways to authenticate and confirm that you're you just kind of sitting on your website already. And so you can add pretty simply what's called a rel me. And that's just saying this right here is a link to one of my own pages. Okay. And so I've got a rel me Twitter link and a rel me GitHub link. And so then I can go to different indie auth based sites and it will let me put in my URL. So zacksharp.me. And then it will go to my website, get the Twitter link and the GitHub link and whatever, confirm that on Twitter, on my Twitter page, I talk about ZachSharp.me. So make sure they link back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then make sure I can log into that Twitter. Right. Yes. And then if I can meet those requirements, you can be pretty certain that I am me from my website and I am me from that Twitter page. And so I can log in and say, yes, this is me, Zach Sharp of ZachSharp.me website fame. Right. It's kind of similar to, I avoid this at all costs, but like uh, you can log into Spotify via Facebook. Mm-hmm. Or basically anything via Google. Yeah. It's uh, 
OAuth. Oath. Mm -hmm. So you just have a website and you say, and if you're logging to a service, you say, hey, who are you? And then you say, well, this is my website. And then they say, oh, look, a Twitter account. Mm -hmm. And then you can authenticate via Twitter. Yeah. Or if you are like me and don't want to do things like that, you can put your PGP public key and they give you a block of text to sign and then you sign it with your secret key and then they let you in. Mm -hmm. So they're not authentic authenticating you by username and password. They're authenticating you by your website showing that, yes, you are the person who runs this website because you have the key and or you have the Twitter account associated with it. Yeah. And that one's useful because you can just log into whatever uses it for example the indie web camp <laughs> wiki you can log in and edit once you have your own website with a rel equals me authentication but that's the the first one there's like a a website of different things to do to add to your website to make it like indie web compliant and like level three is get web mentions working and all of that stuff but level one is just have your own domain and put something there and then level two is get indie auth working and like verify that you are who you say you are and put a little bit of information about you on your website one of the things that is nice about twitter or facebook or whatever other social media you're using mm -hmm. is that you can read other people's posts and post your own posts in the same place Ooh. You have been reading the the feeds. I have not. These are just things that I've noticed. Oh, okay. That's because that's actually one of the issues they're tackling right now. That's one of like the big 2019 goals for the community is to get things called readers up and running. And that uses a whole slew of things. You're going to use um, IndieAuth to log in and say that you're you. Um you're going to use WebSub, which you might have heard of before um, from Leo Laporte as PubSub Hubbub. <laughs> like that, that, that string of syllables is somewhere in the back of my brain from This Week in Google. But yeah, so PubSub Hubbub, I, I can't tell what it is just from my quick scrolling on the wiki before we started recording. I think it's an extension to RSS, but I don't know. It's something called MicroSub which is a server. It can either be something you host or like this web mention IO page. It can be a third party service that keeps track of whose blogs you are subscribing to. And then micro pub, which is the tool that allows me to log in with IndieAuth and then post to my website from another website. Because I log in, I say, yes, it is me. I have access to ZachSharp.me. So ZachSharp.me, you should trust things coming from this website with this token. Right. And so that's Micropub. And so if you combine the Microsub and Micropub and PubSubHubbub, you can say you're following someone else's blog. You can pull the information from that other person's blog into a reader and then you can reply to it or you can write your own little posts from the reader using Micropub. Right. So Micropub is 
a protocol yeah yes Not just uh okay so uh, another thing that is mo- mostly just going to be implemented by one service and the vast majority of people are going to use uh wordpress or whatever it is what was the one you mentioned earlier known known yeah and it'll work fine but for people like me and you who have our own website and want it to look a certain way and don't mm-hmm. want to use known we'll have to implement something like that ourselves yeah so you would need to make a micro pub endpoint and that's just a place on your server that handles when someone sends a little micro pub like hey publish this reply mm-hmm. and then looks at it and says okay this is a reply it's a reply to certus's post um it's filled with emojis and it was posted on this date or whatever and so it parses all of that content and then would choose to put it up on your website one of the things the kids are doing the fortnite meme dances you can do that on the indie web great but i don't want everyone to see my fortnite meme dances i only want my friends to see my fortnite meme dances Mm, okay you want to you want to do the the snapchat thing yeah or like a finsta gotcha um yeah (laughs) that's not a a thing that 50 year old university professors uh who who were originally coming up with these ideas thought about very much are you serious the the 50 year old university professors didn't think about fortnite meme dances when they were designing these protocols no they did not so it's something they're thinking about doing now and it's a combination of you on your site using IndieAuth to verify that someone else who is on the like trusted list is who they say they are. So I would say Certus can see my Finsta on my website. It's not a Finsta, it'd be a FindyWeb. <laughs> um, so Certus can see my FindyWeb posts. And I know that it's Certus because he can log in with IndieAuth and no one else can see it because I'm good at security on my website. <laughs> and Certus is on the in a part of the group that is whitelisted for this post specifically. Oh, it's like Google Plus. Yeah, actually, yeah, they're they're talking about it in in circle e ways. Perfect. I've I've always wanted to bring back Google Plus to the internet. <laughs> it only died like ten days ago, so it's not a solved problem yet. But the Findy Web is, they're still thinking about it. Okay. What's the timeline? Um, oh, also update, kind of related to the fact that you asked me about the timeline. I went on the Indie Web Slack today and I asked for the timeline and they said, here, sure. And they did not get angry and kick my cool elf character off of their server. Awesome. So, so I'm in with the cool kids now most of the the advancement that happens happens at the yearly indie web camp which is in portland this year in june sounds like we need a bi-yearly indie web camp if most of the work is getting done at this conference then we should have the conference twice i think part of the problem is that everybody has like day jobs well yeah but like two days out of the year is not compared to one day out of the year 
No, it's it's a two day long conference. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Still going from two to and four are, for double the amount of. There are like mini camps, but there's the one big yearly camp. Right. Okay. If you scroll so. down to like 2013, you can see when there was an indie web camp in Oregon, and then there was other ones in England and clubs in San Fran. And so here's what I'm thinking, Zach. Okay. The first step to making IndieWeb happen is not to create a thing that is like IndieWeb and can do web mentions and such other things. Mm-hmm. The first step is to find a way to pay someone to do something like this all the time. Which brings me to a new segment I like to call Go to My Patreon so I can <laughs> give money to IndieWebCamp. Patreon.com slash worrying bugs. So like most of the, the stuff happens there. Um, there's also that Slack that I talked about and they just always are saying whatever thing they're working on. Um, right now it looks like it's overcast. It's kind of sunny here. <laughs> Actually, that is one of the big, big things they're dealing with this year too, is people are adding weather updates to their, uh, their posts why i don't know because they can i guess and why does it need dealing with because they want it on their website because they're a generation one one of the or like original founders has been posting his location history through the years if you go um (laughs) here let me load his website up see if it's doing it right now he's got weather data Hmm, I can't find it. Um, oh, he says exactly what city he's in right now. He's currently in Portland, where it is 50 degrees Fahrenheit and cloudy. His phone battery level is 99%, and it is unplugged. He currently has 41 tabs open in seven windows, oh eight God. of which are github.com. It sounds like a developer. <laughs> Did you have closing thoughts on this, Zach? I think it's pretty much the end of my questions. Um, yeah, I have two quick gripes, uh, one of which I already mentioned that it's a lot of their, their answers to why you would want to join are dev answers. The other one is since it's not ad supported, if they're trying to get like eventually get a general population onto the indie web, um, there are going to be people who don't want to pay to just tweet. Mm -hmm. That's why what's that thing called oh the the paid twitter thing microblog no mastodon that's not mm, the thing that's not paid app.net app.net was like twitter but you had to pay for it and it didn't do very well because mm-hmm. it was just the kind of people who would pay for twitter so anyway i think it's got that hurdle to jump over that there are going to be like 13 year olds who want to get on the internet and tweet, but don't want to have to pay $5 a month to host their own server. I can imagine a service that is WordPress like, except that there are ads on your blog. That's possible. In fact, Zach, I have a business proposition. I've been thinking about the one click sign on issue. That's what they call it. Because I want to build a page that organizes local band events, because that's one of the reasons I still use Facebook. And so if I could build it with IndieWeb, people would need to have Indie Auth so they could post to it. 
mm-hmm. but you could just have a really simple site um, that just has the rel equals me and just charge people for the domain name. Could you do a subdomain? I'm not sure. I feel like you could do a subdomain. Let's see. Okay. It looks like you can. So you could do zach.sharp.com, jim.sharp.com, mm-hmm. fan.sharp.com. Right. Okay. So they say that it is totally feasible, although it reduces the benefits of IndieWeb. Yes. So if you're on alice.wordpress.com, then WordPress still controls what you can and cannot post. Mm-hmm. And if WordPress goes down, you're, you go down. Right. But yeah, you can use something like that. Hmm. Okay. So the next thing we do, we have it on a server like normal, mm-hmm. but then we uh, make an app and that app will go on people's phones and we allow them to host their website from their phone. Because your phone's basically never powered off. Yeah. And we have a server as a backup, but if the server goes down, or if we decide to be malicious and say, no, no female presenting nibbles, then you could, in theory, still host from your phone, even if it's not on our servers. Okay. Simple. And it would definitely work and be reliable. I think we would still control the load balancers and the domain name, though. And that would be a problem. One step at a time. Yeah, no, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> but that, that's pretty much the only way to do it, right? It's the, if we're going to give someone a website mm-hmm. and we want it to be financially viable or not even, like if, if we, even if we took the ad thing out of this, there's a certain, certain amount of control we are required by law to keep over the server. Yeah, I, my plan was don't even allow posts. Just let people do Realme auth login. Just have it be a Realme auth login endpoint. Right. But for, and I think it's good enough for the level four people. Yeah. Because they, uh, they obviously don't care. It's like they, they're cool with Twitter. They'll be more than cool with this because it's better than Twitter. I mean, it wouldn't have posts, so it wouldn't. Okay, well, uh, it, we, let's say it does have posts. But then we got to control what the, what the posts are. Right. Just like Twitter does. Except now some people can choose to not be controlled entirely by twitter if they want to have a f- if they have a few extra dollars in their pocket every month so we become a silo with holes yes i don't know if there's a better way to do it unless i'm overlooking something i don't know i don't know if it's a if it's a viable plan we got to hash it out in the slack i think all right so i think my my concluding thoughts are i think the indie web is cool i think it has a long way to go before it's viable for normal people but i am going to keep trying to be a part of it and see if i can make my arguments for why level four people would even want to come so zach what are these reasons that you think that the population at large would like indie web more than twitter or even like comparably to twitter the biggest benefit i can think of just off the top of my head is that there's no motivation for an indie web reader to try and tune what you're looking at. Whereas Facebook wants to keep you scrolling and keep you clicking so they can keep feeding you ads. The indie web reader... Well, if the indie web reader is serving ads mm-hmm. because that's how free apps work, mm-hmm. then they definitely would want to keep you on there for longer. 
Yeah. But you would have more options for feed readers. Yes. Speaking of, that was something I totally forgot to ask about. Oh, no, I did ask about it, but we took it in a different direction. Oh, okay. What was... Right right now, what's my best option for reading Zach's blog, also the founder of IndieWeb's blog? Because as far as I can tell, those are the only two. There are two founders of the IndieWeb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I don't have a blog. I mean, it it is just an RSS slash Atom slash whatever type of feed. Okay, so just a feed reader. So it could just work like any feed reader, um, but there are some IndieWeb specific ones that have, that like sort things out into and replies and know the language of the IndieWeb. Okay, will you put some of those in the show notes? Sure, yeah, I'll put a link to a page with a whole bunch of them. Awesome. And now it's time for a PSA? Now it is time for a PSA. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Did you hear us talk about the indie web and say, man, that really sounds like it's for me? Well, come on down to silowithholes.com and get yourself basically Twitter, but like, you can leave it at some point, I guess? silowithholes.com, your premier location for indie web? This has been a PSA from The Worrying Bugs. So, Zach, we have a special guest today to talk about some milk politics with us. Yes. Do you want to introduce them? This is Miss Barbara Rasmussen. Hello. Hello. Uh, now, Miss Rasmussen, do you have uh, a story to share with us? I do have a story to share because when you think of milk politics, you think of Wisconsin politicians. I have mm-hmm. a story about Congressman Glenn Grothman. Oh, no. Yeah. So... I worked in high school at the Piggly Wiggly in my hometown. Mm -hmm. And so there was one night I was working. It was like 8 o'clock or something like that. Um, And earlier in the night, my state senator had come in, um, which is really not out of the ordinary. He doesn't live in, you know, my hometown, but like his kids go to school there. He's got a business there. And so I didn't think anything of it. But then about half an hour later, I see this figure, lumpy, white-haired figure, (laughs) walk into the store and I go that's Glenn Grothman that's my congressman and so he's in the store I can't remember what he bought I wish I would because I'm sure it was something hilarious but he comes through my line and you know you check out their items and then you say do you have a Piggly Wiggly card you'd like to use and he says no and I say oh well I can look it up with a phone number if you don't have it on you and he goes no I don't have one And I was just taken aback (laughs) that Glenn Grothman does not have a Piggly Wiggly card. Yeah. I mean, Piggly Wiggly's not like exclusive to Wisconsin, but certainly a lot of small towns in Wisconsin have Piggly Wigglies. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure Glenn Grothman frequents them. And I was just taken aback that he did not have a Piggly Wiggly card. That's shocking. Wow. That's very (laughs) shocking. Thank you for uh, sharing your story. That was very brave. Um, real quick, real quick, I have a follow-up question. Okay. Can we say that he bought milk? He probably bought milk. I think that's a safe assumption. Okay. Confirmed, Glenn Grothman probably buys milk. Mm-hmm. Without a Piggly Wiggly card. Without a Piggly Wiggly card. So, 
why didn't you come forward with the story to the media more more quickly? Uh, it's been a few years, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. Well, I posted it on Twitter. I mm. believe I tagged him in this this tweet that said confirmed Congressman oh. Glenn Grothman doesn't have a Piggly Wiggly card. But so, we, so we buried it. Yeah, somebody buried the story, mm. clearly, you know. All right. Well, he he doesn't we're not have afraid. a Piggly Wiggly card because he wants to. Um, nope that that goes the other way around, doesn't it? Nope. All right, forget that terrible dumb joke. <laughs> I want to hear it. It worked. It works backwards. It doesn't work right. Because <laughs> if he did have a Piggly Wiggly card, he would be saving money. So then he would have more money to pay as hush money to keep the story quiet. But if he doesn't have a Piggly Wiggly card, then he also wouldn't have hush money. So I don't know how he does it. I I don't know. I don't know how he got elected in the first place. So Yeah, that's a... <laughs> uh, yeah. Glenn Grothman is for the decriminalization of the selling of raw milk. If that's of interest to anybody. That is absolutely of interest. I, I have a lot of opinions on raw milk. That's what Not I Not many of them good. I, uh, I don't think I have any firm opinions on raw milk yet. Probably something I should look into. Or you could just tune into the Worrying Bugs podcast. Clearly. Clearly that's what I should be doing. The place to come for all of your milk-related news. Yeah. Heavy-hitting reporting from the two of you. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Barb, for your scoop. Thank you. We appreciate, appreciate it quite a lot. Of course. Anytime. All right, Zach. It is that time of the year. Mid-January? Mid-January. And you know what that means. There's snow now. Yes, but also there is school now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have just been trying not to think about that. Well, I'm going to ask you to be a little brave and think about it for a few minutes while we discuss our themes for the semester. Okay. I think I think I can do this. <laughs> so Sardis, what are your themes? I want this semester to be the semester of independence. Okay. And that means a few things to me, but one example I can point to is a caffeine dependence that I have been trying to get rid of. Gotcha. So I have been off caffeine for a while now, and it's okay. It's honestly not that much fun, but it is part of my year of independence, it, or a semester of independence, mm. and uh, yeah. So it sounds like the the one thing that fit with semester of independence in your head, you've already done. Y- okay, not the one thing. There are more things, but... There's uh, more things. And... It's not a list of goals, right? It's a thing to consider when making over the semester. Right. So if later this semester I encounter a situation in which I can either choose to be dependent or independent, I'm going to try my best to pick the independent one. I feel like I don't have that many moments where I really need to make a big decision like that. I'm just trying to trying to trace back last semester when I would have been like, yes, I am making the housekeeping decision as opposed to the... I don't know. That's might be one of the reasons that we maybe didn't do that so well last year. What is that reason? The that we're not like considering it while deciding like what are we going to do today? Is doing this homework followed by 8 hours of Half-Life 2 advancing my goal of independence? 
or is it uh, editing this podcast, which I am hopefully going to once at some time use to support myself? I think an argument could be made for both. (laughs) Okay. I think in a way, playing Half-Life 2 is solidifying in your head the fact that you are independent. Okay. Okay. Because it's like if, if you were back in in hometown USA and you had gotten done with your high school homework and then said, hey, mom, I know it's 6 p.m., but I'm going to play Half-Life 2 for the next eight hours. She would say, oh, no, you're not, mister. And so now you've got the independence to flex and play Half-Life 2 for eight hours. And so it's it's like a it's a mentalist game. Yeah. yeah. You've got to enforce inside your own head that you are independent. Of course. I think a balance would be good. It's just a, it's not a like mantra. It's not something you repeat to yourself every morning. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got to be independent. Find a way to be independent today. (laughs) And someone asks you if you want help carrying your groceries. You say, no, (laughs) I'm being independent. All right. I think that's it for me. Zach, what is your semesterly theme? Hey, wow. Look at that. You know, we always said that we could only go to 70 minutes um, <laughs> of the podcast. So it looks like we just, we hit a wall. Through the and... magic of editing, we will make 70 minutes, Zach. Um, yeah. I have not thought about this at all. Like one bit. Zach will come back in two weeks. I've got homework. Zach's got homework. Yeah. I don't, like I said, at the the wrap-up of last semester, I just felt like I had so much going on that I couldn't even say no to. It was just a matter of surviving, so it wasn't really decisions. It was just like, well, this is due tomorrow, so I guess I better do it tonight. Sounds like a semester of less to me. Right, but I already made the decision to do that last semester when I didn't sign up for many classes. Like, I signed up for the normal amount of classes. and So you're telling me... That you are already signed up for too many things. No, but I'm saying I don't know what I need to do because last semester was so hectic. Be in less things. Right? Right, but I feel like I've already... Yeah, that makes sense. There are two options. You can either do less things or be more organized. Manage it better. And that doesn't seem like a shortcoming of yours is managing things. So I would guess that there's just too many things. You can do it, Zach. Just say no to drama. Oh, I already have. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, is I've already set in motion the fact that it, the semester is going to be like this. I already said, hey, reach out to me if you need somebody during tech week, but I'm not signing up for all of the hours of... Right, but think about it this way. This isn't a one-time decision. Mm. All, throughout, all throughout the semester, you are either saying yes or no to obligations. So a year of less or a year of something that semester, God damn cortex, (laughs) a semester of less or a semester of something like that may be a a way to remember that you, how bad last semester was. Okay. I am going to come back next week with the terminology, but it's going to be in this vein. Okay. I think I'm going to focus more on expanding the time that I can choose what I'm doing. Because Year of Less makes me think I'm going to, like, cut out drama and just stare at a wall for those six hours every week. (laughs) And that's why I'm hesitant to say that. But I think there is a way to think about it that is Year of More Unstructured Time. But that sounds gross, so we're going to work on it. 
Okay. All right. Uh, if you have joined the indie web, you can follow us on our blogs, I guess. I don't have a blog, but you can follow Sirtis on his blog and you can tweet at me to tell me to get a blog. <laughs> <laughs> and you can reach me on Twitter at... 